All right, Murph is gone. I've got I've got nobody here. Wait one second. What's Hark. that at the door? Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> I opened the door and oh my gosh, it's Tucker from the backlog banter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Here I am, fresh, fresh oh off my. a walk. I'm energized. I'm ready to talk video games. You zoomed through a walk because you're a zoomer. You're the first zoomer we've had on a podcast. Fantastic. It's crazy. Everybody else here is geriatric, so I mean. Yes. There's a first. You never forget your first. That's what they always say. <laughs> um, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm Tucker Hazel. You neglected the last name, but I'll let that slide for now. Uh, Tucker Hazel, I... Do you want me to dox you? Should I just give them your social hey, security number? And my fucking... full name is available everywhere on the internet. I have right. no shame. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a brogan chatting kind of guy. Whoa. <laughs> Anyways, go. I'm Tucker Hazel. I have been doing uh, YouTube videos on my Backlog Banter YouTube channel for a while. Uh, we have set, uh, recently split our channel into two channels that are one focused on games one focused on movies that's backlog banter and backlot banter confusing but kind of a cohesive in a, in a silly way if um, you play games and movies it makes sense like oh i have a backlog of games to play that's like backlot is yes, movies yes. it makes sense oh no it absolutely does make sense and I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we do um i i have been playing video games my whole life i'm, I'm really passionate about talking about games and you joining my Discord server has been, like, a huge boon to me for that. Because you are a very different kind of game player than I am. But you're similarly knowledgeable and passionate. And I really enjoy talking about games. And that's, hey, that's why I'm here today. I'm here to fill a hole in your life. That that Zoomer-shaped hole. I, I slide right in. Okay. <laughs> Let's not talk about sliding in holes. All right? Hey, We're you know what? You know what? It, it It's a podcast. No one cares. Okay. What do you think you look for in a video game? I actually have been thinking about this a lot recently because of some of the conversations we've been having on our Discord server, and the answer sort of bubbled up at the top of my mind is I'm looking for a game that does something I've never seen before, that offers me a new kind of experience, and a lot of my favorite games, I think, reflect that, whether that's a twist on story, a twist on control, a twist on visual styling. Um, it can be any of those angles, but if a game shows me something that I haven't experienced otherwise, or or in otherwise, um, other ways, like, refine something that I have experienced before, improves it in some way, I'm like, yeah, that that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something to just completely sidetrack me like whoa, whoa, whoa this is possible and like and, and reframe the way i see video games do, do, do you think it's like an emotional response i mean they can be both of these emotional response or a breaking of the brain hmm. you know what i mean like where you gotta like redo the brains like oh this is how space works i understand now yeah no i think i think it's more an emotional thing because i do have an emotional like intellectual reaction to reframing the way that I see a video game, whether it's something like one of my favorite games, The Stanley Parable, that is just such an interesting reframing on interactivity in video games and and, and narration and narrative, or um, a game like Grease or Firewatch that has such an interesting visual aesthetic, and I'm like, wow, I've never seen this done before. Um, I, I react emotionally to that, and that's what gets me connected to a game, is it lets it stick in my mind, and games that don't elicit that kind of reaction from me end up sort of slipping to the wayside. And there's there's plenty of great games that are I, I do not contest the quality of, but just if they don't like if they don't surprise me, if they don't connect to me on that, oh this is interesting level, then I it's it I have a very short memory, so it's just gonna leave my brain. <laughs>
That's fair. Um, but you also like you also famously play a lot of like Nintendo games, right? Yeah, I do. And Nintendo is not necessarily the the most emotional experience. Oh yeah. So do yeah. you feel like what Nintendo does instead is like lean more into that creativity and refinement that like other game developers like don't really pay attention to? You're like, oh, this is this is something I don't get anywhere else. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Especially on the level of AAA polish and fidelity that. Indie game indie teams just don't have the history or budget or manpower to achieve a game like Super Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild, which or are Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Or Pokemon clearly. Scarlet and Violet, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Did like that game a lot. Um, but or even like Kirby the Forgotten Land last year or Xenoblade 3. These games there are elements of them that you can find in um, some of the sort of B-tier titles from other AAA developers, whether that's, you know, like the Crash Crash uh, Reunited, or no, not Crash Reunited, really. Crash Insane Trilogy, or um, or lots of indie Spiral games. Spiral Reunited, on that's what you yes, were saying. Yes, I got those two wires crossed. Um, They're twisted. But Nintendo does a sense of whimsy and cartoonish, like, creativity that no one else does with, like, the amount of polish that they have. And I really do respect that because a lot of the AAA game industry has just sort of been a race towards the quote-unquote bottom. I don't actually think it's the bottom, but the quote-unquote bottom of realistic graphics and more open worlds and more checklists. And Nintendo has basically issued that. I mean, there are certain elements of that that they've adapted, and that's why people are like, holy shit, Breath of the Wild is taking inspiration from Western RPGs. Um, But I, I do love that Nintendo has stayed their course for the most part with keeping their games uh, aesthetically and like totally separate from the rest of the AAA games industry. Yeah, and I think, like, Breath of the Wild is an easy example. But, like, the most, like, clear example to me would be, like, Splatoon. Mm. Where it's, like, very clearly considering yeah. shooter aspects. But instead of, like, oh, let's focus on violence and this stuff. It's, like, what if we use the weapons to make you think about the maps you're playing in? Yeah. And all, it, it, it just works so well. And another weird example of that, one of my favorite games that I'm more passionate about than anyone I know is ARMS. That, that launch era Switch game, 2017, fighting games, people with spring arms. That game is really special to me because as someone who's not a fan of fighting games, the fluidity of control and wackiness of the scenario just is super endearing to me. That game is a party game. It's really creative. One of the best soundtracks of... I, that. That is a perfect example that I think has gone to the radar of Nintendo looking at fighting games which outside of smash they just don't do and never have and just putting a completely new spin on it that no one has ever attempted i i agree um and it's interesting because like to me that is one of the most justifications for motion control mm. i wish mm-hmm. i wish arms got a second shake but it's not yes. going to that's that's about it but like i do think it is punch out for the we spoke to me where i was like yeah this feels visceral this feels like what the controller is meant for and all that so the switch's motion aspects i almost never feel like ah oh, the switch's gyro is really appropriate for this game yeah um only only arms was i like oh it's working it's yeah good yeah um okay so the other question I have for you is, is what do you think is a, because I know you, what ah. do you think is a problem with game criticism and game discourse? And what do you think you bring to the table? Yeah, the, the I, I've sort of been able to also narrow in on why I feel I'm a particular voice in, in games criticism or, or the game discussion industry, whatever you want to say, as a, as a personality. Um is that I am younger than your average person who talks about games. As you said, I'm the first Zoomer to be having here. I'm 22, by the way. I'm not 
underage, so talking about holes is fine. Um, but <laughs> give it ten years, and you won't be the new kid on the block. No, absolutely, one hundred percent. And I recognize that, and I sort of feel that in the back of my mind, like, uh oh, that's coming, or, or not. Uh oh, this will be interesting to see. Um, but as someone who is younger and doesn't have the exact same genre and era of experiences that many people in the industry do. I didn't grow up with a Super Nintendo Nintendo or PS2 or an N64, and I don't even have particular reference for, like, the GameCube, which was around when I was younger, but I didn't, I didn't have any experience with that. And even the consoles I grew up with, the DS and Wii, I think are fine, but my resonance with video games really came from when I discovered indie games and the games industry in around 2015. 14, 2015, 2016. And since then, I've just dived headfirst in. Um, and I don't feel many people can, at least at this point in time, can carry that kind of experience and have the reverence for games in a different perspective on games than I do. And I find it slightly frustrating um, to look at top games of all time lists, listen to um, many of my favorite uh podcasts and, and conversations with whether it's easy allies or kind of funny huge groups of people that all share a same era of games and they're like yeah ocarina of time and mario 64 and it's Smelly the same Sean. voices it's the same opinions repeated over and over again. exactly exactly and, and when it comes to us having a conversation about super metroid which is a fantastic game but not one i have personal reference for and i do think i can levy we're not gonna we're not gonna get into it uh, this is just a generalization um Levy uh, reasonable, no criticisms, re- reasonable criticisms <laughs> against it um, from a differing perspective. I feel like that's a, that's something interesting to offer games criticism yeah. because n- no no one else is as bold as I as I straighten my <laughs> bow tie and cloth okay, my hair um, to say such bold things. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I, I gotta bring personality. Already. I gotta bring personality. Okay. Um, all right, we're gonna go on to the what you plans. What have you been playing? I've been playing a weird sl- slew of different things, but um, okay. the game that I played longest ago that I'm going to talk about here is the final game in the 3D Mario series that I had not completed up until this point, which is Super Mario Galaxy 2. Um, and right. I popped it in my Wii, and I sat down, and I grinded through it in a couple days, and it's a very good game. And I think it's a very good compliment to Galaxy 1. I'm waiting for the butt. The, the butt is, is there, but I feel like my... My criticism of it will kind of like outweigh in conversation the the pros that I do think it has because I have it like an eight out of ten game. I think it's a great game, um, but I do think there is a problem with its structure uh, and some of the repetitiveness in the level design um, that I do think people largely recognize. I haven't really t- heard it talked about too much, but um, Galaxy Two does the phenomenally creative thing of you got to get this many stars to move on to the next world. And I know that happens in lots of things. You you even have that with Moons and Odyssey. But the linear nature of the levels in Galaxy and Galaxy 2, A, that does not speak to me as much as the freeform nature of 64 Sunshine Galaxy. Um, You mean Odyssey. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Odyssey. God. Whew. Dodge a bullet there. Fought it. Um, Almost said I liked Galaxy. Oh, God. Um, I do like Galaxy. It's a great game. Um, and because the levels are linear and you have to finish the entire level to get a star, it means that there's a lot of repetition and making sure you're going back to the level and doing the extra bonus thing and waiting for the prankster star comet to come and doing that one so you can get just barely enough stars to scrape by to the next world. And it meant that I was halting my progression of the game many times. I would reach, I would reach the end of the the world and Bowser's castle is right there at the end of... 
end of whatever world it was, and, oh, I need 50 stars to get into this one. But I've only got 42, and that means i got to go find 8 stars in the previous worlds to just scrape by and get to the next one. And, and that... you, were, you were emotionally done with the world. I'm like, I don't want to go back here. No, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that the, yeah. the perfect balance for me is if you finish the, each level in each world once, or, or maybe 1.2 times, like you got to go back to maybe one of them, that I think would keep the momentum going. But it was like, I was like, I've seen all these levels and I know their identity and I don't feel like super compelled to go back to them, but I'm forced to. And the level designs are good. I think there are some that are a little, little less interesting than others, but... Um, it, it, it's a great game in terms of its creativity, its whimsy, and I think that the, um, the use of power-ups and the integration of Yoshi and the variety and rule design, I think is better than Galaxy 1 in some ways, um, but because my progression was constantly halted, I felt like I was, like, hitting a door and be like, god damn it, I gotta truck back to World 1 and, like, complete another one of those levels. Um, that, that frustrated me. And that was a frustration that I've never really had with Mario, 3D Mario before. Um, because I love every game in the 3D Mario series, except for 3D Land. I don't think that's a very good game. Um, but... You like 3D World, though. Right? I like 3D World, yeah. It's a great game. Yeah. Because, um, like, it's clear that there's, like, a difference in, like, the linear obstacle course and then the exploration world vibe of, yeah. like, living in and inhabiting a world. But, so... Is the difference in 3D world just the polish and the fact that it's not holding you back? The, you feel the progression in a much more typical sense? Yeah, I think so. I think so. That game's not as yeah. stringent in its star count. <laughs> I personally like Galaxy 1 more than 2. Yeah, that's but totally I totally fun. understand. No, I, I agree. I do think Galaxy 1 is the better game. I was, I was prepared to be the guy that likes Galaxy 2 more than Galaxy 1, but I didn't have the issue with Galaxy 1 that I did with Galaxy 2. So, like, I just hold it back a little bit. Um, I think I think the one thing to say is, is like, I think I think there some people who would, like, super defend it would argue that, like, there's there's still level variety and mission variety within the world level. True, true. But, but it, it goes back to what you are saying of, like, you've seen the world. It's not like the beach level is going to get dramatically different. Mm -hmm. You're just going to have a new mini game to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and at a certain point in time, the mini games stop feeling impactful or whatever, and you just want to move on. Yeah. And I totally get it. And I'm like, I don't want to race this goddamn monkey again. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm done with this. Or, ple like, Plessy and all. No, no thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, all right. So I have been playing a triple A game series. I was going to talk with Murph about this, but he's gone now. All right. Um, should be back soon. Um, I have been playing Last of Us Parts 1 and 2. Sure. Now, question. Is this for the first okay. time? Yeah, for the first time. That's fascinating. That's that's a big yes. deal. It is a big deal. I, I, I've been trying to downplay it, but it is a big deal. I used to play the Uncharted games. Yeah. And I think one of my issues with the Uncharted games was it, it didn't ride the line for me where it was naughty dog has always been trying to eat like edge further closer to triple a cinematic storytelling yeah. and uncharted was obviously like an indiana jones mm -hmm. like adventure action thing yeah but like Dude when writer. i play them and they got better to be fair like uncharted 4 is like a more emotional experience more yeah. cinematic than like one mm -hmm. or two but yes. like but that being said like even you're not the then, biggest uncharted guy is what i'm grabbing here my eyes glaze over. That's fair. That's fair. I stop caring. And a lot of it is like just to the arcade nonsense of like constantly ducking undercover and shooting enemies. Uncharted 1 through 3 primarily have yes. the greatest 
degree of, I know that I'm going to be fighting a group of enemies here because I'm entering a room with a bunch of waist-high walls, and I know... What else is going to happen here? I can't do anything else with this room other than crouch behind a waist-high wall and pop over it. And oh. I don't like that aspect of the Uncharted games either, even though four of them are some of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, it's one of those things where I think this is applicable across the AAA spectrum. True. I felt this like playing Red Dead Redemption, mm. where I was like, in my head, I'm literally counting how many NPCs and lives die. by mm. Like, yeah. imagining that random NPC guy over there had a life. Mm -hmm. how, how close is this to genocide? Yeah. Oh, no, it absolutely is. And that's the classic thing about Nathan Drake. He's got a, he's a charming guy with a smile, but he's, he's killed thousands. It's, especially, it's especially if you go for the Platinums. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the nice thing is, is Last of Us, I think, has a weight to it. I yeah. still think there's some problems that I'll get into in a second. Sure. But that being said, there is a narrative weight to it that makes it work. And I hear people praise the performances and the cinematic storytelling all the time. However, I think the gameplay is where it's at. Sure. I, think, yeah. I, I think the gameplay is actually what makes it uh succeed where it like is able to stick the landing mm -hmm. um it almost doesn't but it's mainly a stealth game where at some point during the stealth run if you're not good enough it becomes chaos yeah. and you can't take you can't take a lot of damage it's unforgiving but it's also very rewarding to be able to get through a section you're know, like oh my god i survived and it becomes much more of a stealth survival than like a brainless action mm. there's still a lot honestly like if i could retune it I would make less enemies and just make the enemies hit even harder. Sure. But like, other than that, it is like a really seamless experience, especially when we get to the last of us part two. Yeah. yeah. Where it was just like, and it feels so good. It feels so real. Um, sometimes I am anti-realistic graphics, but I think by the time of last of us part two, it starts to play into the weight of things because the game is also like, you should consider that every NPC you're killing may be a human being yeah. and a character. Yeah. It, it wants you to ask that question. And then it's like, well, now I'm, when I'm murdering these 20 people, I'm going to feel bad. Yeah. So it feels good. I don't know. It, that's an interesting storytelling. And I liked part two. I loved part two more than part one. Yeah. I am. I'm completely in the same boat. Now I, I will be 100% transparent. I have not played part one i played the last what? of us on ps3 i played the last of us on ps3 i have not played the remake oh. that is that is part one that came out oh, last I year um so being brought up to the gameplay and fidelity and redone uh, texture work and all that of part two i played the ps3 one and then i played last of us part two when it came do, out on ps4 do you think you're missing out on a lot oh no i i i would play it eventually um but i'm also not a huge replaying games guy in general um so i'm i'm, I'm waiting for my time to shine for uh with sure. Last of Us Part 1, but I'm absolutely of the opinion that Last of Us Part 2 is the superior game um, from a variety of characters, variety of environments. There's some of the best level design I've ever experienced. And, and like, yeah. going up that, that burning building and, and crossing across the uh, tops of the skyscrapers, and there's this parking garage that's, like, split halfway down the middle so you can shoot up between the cracks. Like, there's such a de density and detail and variety in the uh, environments there. And I think that the emotional story of of being Ellie and chasing after Joel's murderer. By the way, Last of Us Part Two spoilers. Who the fuck cares? Um, it's fine. Uh, Deal with and it. And then and then having to reconcile 
with the understanding of the enemy in that second half and getting to know Abby's supporting cast of characters uh, and seeing the consequences of your actions, especially as you reach the end and you know Lev and Yara and Owen and Mel and you realize that you destroyed their lives just as Abby destroyed Ellie's and she, like, she can't do the thing that she loves best, which is play the guitar at the end. Like, there's so much emotional weight to the structure of this game that I think, don't think many games really play with. And the way that it um, plays with current time and past time, and you're always inserting, like, reflective sequences back to, like, between Last of Us 1 and 2. And, like, it's just such a structurally fascinating game that I think does emotional storytelling and like realizing your weight as as a part of the world of this video game that i haven't experienced before and i and I, I firmly believe that last of us part two is the the at least as of now like the, one of the pinnacles of triple a game design storytelling what can video games do what do they have to offer for telling an emotionally enriching story um that other mediums can't so I, I love The Last of Us, but I, I have, I've gone on record saying this in one of our first videos on BLB, actually, that I think The Last of Us 2 makes The Last of Us 1 look like a fucking crayon drawing in comparison. I'm like... It look, makes it look like Uncharted 1. Yeah. Un <laughs> to, to me. Um, the things I wanted to mention also were... Um, I loved the open segments. When we talk about the yeah. level Ooh, design. Yeah. I think the level... Downtown the Seattle? Level That's a great works, area. Yeah. Day 1 Seattle is just such a beautiful experience yeah. but also allows you to interact with the world the way you want to it just re breathes really well and then the other thing is is like i see a lot of complaints in discourse we're not going to get into it too much mm -hmm. but i see a lot of it regarding cinematic games mm -hmm. and it's like oh you know if it's a cinematic game why don't you just make a fucking movie and then then the hbo adaptation has come out mm -hmm. and i haven't seen the hbo no neither have i even though but, I'm like the one that makes Last of Us fans I know, I also don't watch TV, so I didn't even fucking try that. I watch I'll, TV I'll watch it eventually. Like, a, mo a movie is like two hours. I'm like, I get it. Yes. Two hours of my day. Whereas like a fucking TV show is like 15, that's, that's 20 hours. That's an hour of your week for fucking eight weeks. I can't, I can't do yeah. that. Are you kidding me? What? <laughs> You're speaking my language. I'd rather read a book. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if I would rather do that, but... <laughs> anyways anyways but the thing is the, the thought I did have in my head was is like, what are they going to do for Abby and part in season two or part two or whatever yeah and in my head it shows the strength of games because it's one thing to have joel die mm -hmm. and then like oh now you're going to see what abby's like in abby's world and like how she functions and then it's another thing to play as her yeah and then to, it's another to control thing, the killer of the main character to, of the to last control game the killer and then confront ellie because like i saw videos where people review it's like you know i don't know why when when you fight Ellie and Abby, you play as Abby. I was rooting against her the entire time. It's like, the game kind of wants you to confront that. Yeah. And the game wants you to, like, wrestle with that. And I don't think the TV show is going to be able to land those No, probably marks. not. Probably. They're going to have to do something completely different. I'll be interested to see what they do, but yeah. we shall see when it happens. Yeah, 100%. Anyways. Anyways, what else have you been playing? Um, I have dived straight and deep into the world of Resident Evil. Because I oh played gosh. three games in the Resident I'm Evil scared. franchise back to back. Uh, I'm scared of these two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about because I played Resident Evil 7, which is a game that I have been wanting to play for a very long time. The, um, uh, so, little, little context. I played Last, uh, God, not Last of Us Part 2, Resident Evil 2 Remake when it came out. 
uh, around when it came out in 2019. And I thought it was a, a really good game. The It was my first experience with Resident Evil. The RPD is one of the most intricately designed environments and just getting the key and remembering, oh, I gotta go back there and like managing inventory space. I'm like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And I loved Resident Evil 2 Remake. And I played Resident Evil 4 and reviewed that with everyone. I'm like, this is such a cool game. Leon is... I, I prefer little piss baby newbie Leon in in part two in in uh, Resident Evil two over sure. dude bro uh, Leon in four. Um, but sure. I, I liked four a lot, and I saw that where where it was informational of games to come because like I mean that's a that's a foundational triple A game of uh, Uncharted came out of Resident Evil four probably in some way. Um, yeah, and. I, I played Village as well. Um, I hate Ethan Winters, and that that, that also uh, carries over to my playthrough of Resident Evil 7, uh, but I loved Demetrisk Manor and the variety in these locations, these crazy over-the-top villains you're fighting. Like, yeah, Resident Evil's so cool, but I took a break from it. And Resident Evil 7, when I sat down to play through it, really grabbed me in because I had had the context of RPD and Resident Evil 2, which is such an intricately designed area, and the first-person... Um, horror and and modern affordances of village and i like both those games but it was really cool seeing them mesh together in seven which is obviously the middle ground between those um in which the baker uh, manor or household or whatever is also one of the most intricately designed environments that i've explored in a video game and there's it's crazy how much variety they eke out of this you've got the greenhouse you've got um I can't remember the son's name, but the son's area, Lucas, Lucas's area, um, that it has is like this whole little puzzle box saw. area where he's like, yes. yeah, it's like a, it's like a saw movie. There's so much variety in there, and the and the Baker family are so memorable, and the southern aesthetic is something I've never seen done in a game before, and um, I I just loved Resident Evil Seven, like it, it completely sucked me in. You've you've played that game, right? I have, and I agree. I think res, I think a lot of people are anti the first person. Yeah. shooter aspect of mm. it um i think if you go back to the original re1 design stuff like shinji mikami said like i kind of wanted a first person and that's why you see the doors when, in yep. the older games yep. when you see a door open it's first person mm -hmm. it's because it's meant to immerse you and it is in fact immersive in fact i am pretty sure if i played resident evil 7 in vr i would probably shit my pants yeah oh yeah <laughs> go buy some new pants before you play that game uh, or wear brown ones at least mm -hmm. but either way um, I love Resident Evil 7. I love Resident Evil 7 more than 8 because of what you just said, yeah. which is the dedicated location. Mm -hmm. um, 8 goes for more of a Resident Evil 4 type thing where there's yeah. a, a wider location and you it's go to It's 7 meets area. 4, like, which is interesting. Yeah, it's 7 meets 4 in a lot of ways, which was which made me doubt that re Resident Evil 4 remake would happen, mm -hmm. but it did. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I was wrong, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But either way, um, I loved, I still love the energy and passion that comes into incorporating elements other than zombies. Mm, yeah. I was so tired of zombies and I was so tired of like, Paris, general parasites mm -hmm. and now it's much more like dolls werewolves fucking vampires yeah like, we're getting into a lot of variety in, in village exactly or or even in like in resident evil 7 texas chainsaw massacre yep. evil yep. dead fucking exorcist or fucking cronenberg ass fly shit with marguerite all of that yeah just, oh, those are some great references by the way i'm a huge horror fan so i understand everything you just said i love all this stuff so, you you feel those vibes and you're like i am super about this and it yep. feels so good i love seven seven is probably and especially with the dlcs i think the mm. dlcs really make it like tip top in terms of gameplay variety and sure. options i don't know super big fan my, my um, biggest complaint about seven though 
is Go is ahead. Ethan Winters. I fucking hate Ethan Winters. He's such a wiener. He's he's such a he quips at the wrong time. I, I I like went down into a well and I saw like a ten armed fucking centipede person with goo dripping from their fangs and he's like, well that was something special. I'm like. Ethan Winters, I want to strangle you. I I hate you. So he might be my least favorite protagonist in a video game. <laughs> okay, here's the thing about Ethan Winters. All of Seven... Fuck his hands, by the way. Key, but, but the thing is, is like about halfway through Eight, I realized that he stays the same character. Yeah, yeah. He could go through anything. Fucking anything. It's funny. And, and he gets his hand chopped off. He's like, oh, what the hell? And it's like, dude... God. Dude, Ethan Winters. <laughs> what the fuck? Look yeah. in the mirror and think about what's going on before you yeah. ask that. And Anyways. I also do think that not giving him a face does uh, add to me not wanting to connect to him as a protagonist because he doesn't have an iconic Jill, Leon, Chris Redfield design. It's, he's just a white guy. He's meant to be a stand-in for the audience rather than a dedicated oh this is who the character yeah. is type of person he's a fucking white and, guy <laughs> yeah i mean he's generic as shit. but here's the thing chris redfield's also generic True. i was gonna ask you you're not a huge fan of resident evil remake one i'm gonna bring it up that's fine well, yeah what, what what were your problems with it well so that was the game i went to next as i finished seven and i and i remembered off the top of my dome holy shit four remake is coming soon i'm like my my knowledge of resident evil is is patchy at best. I played Village, I played 4, I played 2, I played 7, but there's obviously a big chunk in there that I had no experience with, especially story-wise. I'd never met Jill Valentine or Chris Redfield. Well, I mean, I, I'd met Chris Redfield, but it's like bulky Chris Redfield from Village who's like not really the same character. Um, and I was like, okay, I I want to go back to the start of this of this series and, and learn about Jill and Chris and Spencer Mansion that I know are so important in Wesker. Um, and so I, I, I found out that uh, Resident Evil Remake... Um, the it's HD the best Resident Evil game. The I H- agree. Whoa, whoa. The <laughs> HD version of Resident Evil Remake from the GameCube on PS4 um, was available on PS Plus um, Premium, and I downloaded that shit and I started it. And it's interesting as someone whose experience with Resident Evil, especially the um, tightly designed puzzle box nature of of um, Demetrius Manor and Baker Mansion and and RPD, I I knew that those came from one. But my experience with them started essentially with the 2019 era gameplay and and not having to load between the doors and having a free camera. And it was very interesting to go back to the game that started it all because I do think that a lot of the changes that have been made since then are immersive. They are, they are experientially um, aware of the... Of the I'm, I'm trying to come, I'm trying to choose my words so I don't, I don't accidentally set off your fucking Hulk rage. Don't be angry. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Gonna, I'm just kidding. Um, is, you're the guest. I'm gonna treat you nice. I respect All that. Right? I respect that. Um, I I like Resident Evil One. Um, I think that Spencer Mansion is phenomenal. The the way that it's able to render all these environments with the uh, ripple textures and the fires. I'm like, oh my god, how'd they get this out of a GameCube? Um, and I, I like Jill Valentine a good amount. I think she's a relatively flat character for that first game, but the dynamic between uh, her and Barry and Wesker and the progression through the game, I, I think it's fantastic. And there's a lot of variety uh, in Spencer Mansion. But I do think that locked camera angles and um, incredibly limited um, inventory space and re- re- requiring ribbons to save your game. These are interesting concepts, but for me, I don't think they fully flesh out the way that a game like this could be 
designed because I think about the limited inventory space. And I understand like, oh yeah, that's that's a stress builder. You got to make your choice. You got to sacrifice. Am I going to bring the lighter? Am I going to bring the, my, my fucking uh, lighter fluid? Or am I going to have multiple guns or whatever? But I, I, I think in the end with how many goddamn items you're required to have to progress through certain puzzles, like sometimes you've got to have half your inventory empty. And that means if you walk up to a puzzle and you realize I got to have half my goddamn inventory empty, you got to go you got to go back to the save room to empty it out. And that is, it becomes, that's padding. It becomes more frustrating than it is tension building. 100%. And I think that that, with that element of the game, particularly, that's, that's my biggest issue with the game is I think that the, the limited inventory space is just a pace breaker for me. It's like, I understand, I understand what they're going for, but in reality, it, especially when you're good at the game, you don't need, like the limited inventory space is, is only a hindrance in like progressing through the game rather than like, really impacting the way the tension is built around you and so from that regard i vastly prefer the inventory in in village and in, in to remake and so I, those are technically still limited yes they are the but suitcase is limited you do have a lot more flexibility slot limited or yeah. like four slot limited mm -hmm. it's just you know tetris moving around um i will say tucker uh i politely disagree that's okay that's okay uh, the two things I'm going to say, then we're going to move off this topic, are um, cameras. I think back then, especially, because Remake does have some um, modern things to it compared to the original yeah. PS1 version. I didn't play with tank controls, which I think was a huge uh, benefit for my, my I think that game. I think the game is built for tank controls. I, I thought it was fine it. without tank controls. Well, well, okay. Anyways, what I was going to say is is it goes less for the immersive, naturalistic aspect of, say, first-person mm. camera. Like, where it's like, oh, I'm fucking feeling it. And much more goes for it. And you can see this reflected in the plot points and the dialogue yeah. and the characterizations. Where it goes much more for, like, a B-movie aspect. 100%. It's like, I am watching, yeah. watching, you know, Day of the Dead or some shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're supposed to get those vibes instead. So that the, in those specific camera angles are able to build tension and create things in different ways. Like, you know, walking down a hallway, you go past the camera and then you have to, and then it automatically makes you go back up because yeah. it's like, oh, I didn't see the zombie there. There's this surprise zombie. Boo. Surprised. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, is regarding the inventory space. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I do. It's frustrating. And it sets you back, especially when it comes to like maybe a save and then you've lost 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is the only personally one of the primary ways of punishment mm. and it mm. is the survival aspect the survival is not you not dying yeah. it is you not losing 15 minutes totally fair does totally that make fair. sense yeah and then it's like and i played one recently and i was like is this an outdated concept it might be especially for modern resident evil i think briefcase is suitable for resident evil 8 yeah 100 or resident evil 4 remake i would not want four slots for resident evil 4 remake i think that's no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. But there is a game I played last year that does do six inventory slots. Okay. Just, just like that. And also... Which game? Signalis. Oh, okay. I've heard I've heard of that game. I haven't played it myself, though. It, it, is, it is a survival horror game with limited options. Mm -hmm. And um, it is frustrating. I, I found myself going back to a safe room, having to open up the fucking chest that has all your saved items in it and then picking through, Oh, here's the puzzle thing. Here's the key item. Here's the one healing I can have. Cause if I have two, God forbid, I can't bring anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it worked for me. I think yeah. it, it ratcheted up the tension. And even by the end, 
by the end of the game, the final boss is like a test in that, where mm -hmm. it's like, hey, by the way, this is the last time you're going to see your inventory. You should look at your inventory oh, cool. and make space. It tells you, make space. Yeah. And then, and then I was like balancing it and juggling it, and juggling became a satisfying mechanic to me. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, and I totally okay. understand that. And I think that that balance is what made Resident Evil 2 so compelling to me. It's I felt like I had enough space to sacrifice some things, but never felt like I was too limited in where I would have to backtrack for ostensibly no reason. Because especially in, in Resident Evil 1... If you if you you've cleared out likely cleared out the rooms in between and so you're gonna go to the puzzle and realize fuck I need three inventory spaces and they just have to turn back go around drop stuff off and then go back like that's just a wasted three minutes it's not an engaging three minutes which I think was is my my <laughs> issue is, that, is there was a lot of downtime there's a lot of what what to me felt like padding I'm like this can be alleviated I understand what you're going for but I think there is an oh geez I just punched my microphone I think there's an outdated you're element angry. of design. I can tell you're upset. <laughs> that, that Resident Evil. Yeah. But good, positive, productive discussion about Resident Evil 1. Um, okay. All right. Um, you also like Resident Evil 3 Remake. We, we, we can skip ahead of it, but you, That's fine. did you think it was better than 2? No. No. Um, okay. I, I, I think that the balance of that game is, for my, in my opinion, quite remarkable. It's the shortest um, Resident Evil game that I've played. I, it, my final playthrough was like it five and short. a half, six it hours. And yeah. I really like that in terms of it really hearkening back to essentially playing an action horror movie. Um, I, mm -hmm. in that, since playing that game, Jill Valentine is my favorite Resident Evil character. I think she's so interesting and cool in Resident Evil 3. I think that her, her dynamic with Carlos is really cheesy, but I, I found it really fun. Um, and the, the balance between action and um, smaller, more open um, Resident Evil sections, like that town at the beginning, uh, of finding the key and trekking back across the street and it having... Raccoon City feels like more of a place now, um, yeah. and I feel like the characters show up more frequently than the other games. I really did find that game to be incredibly compelling, especially because it is up to the fidelity level of Resident Evil 2 Remake, but it's it's more action-heavy, uh, and, and there's a lot of fun set pieces and fun dynamics, and when you're, as Jill, picking up a giant minigun at the end to shoot down the final boss, like that is a memorable action moment, and uh, even though, even though it's just... corny... I, I really found that game to be super, super fun. And I, I, I guess I, maybe I just, because I didn't have the expectation of it being a remake, I've never played Resident Evil 3 on, on PS1. I, I have no connection to Jill or Carlos previously. The changes couldn't, like, literally could not have bothered me. I had no, yeah. there's no way for them to have bothered me. And, um, and, and it's, and it's like, I, I totally agree. And first of all, I think Resident Evil 3 remake is really good. Yeah. I think, I think Capcom hasn't made a bad Resident Evil game. In like ten years. No, yeah, I like agree. probably, or I don't know how long it's been. Don't don't actually quote me on that, but it's been a while. Mm -hmm. um, and and the thing is, is like the things that you miss out on the original RE3 version is probably a little bit more expansion into the feeling the city as a place, mm. or maybe the sure. specific characterization of Nemesis. I would say routing the city and nemesis are the big things where it's like you know this this kind of didn't hit the mark but then as an experience on its own it's totally worth it but this leads into resident evil 4 remake because story wise as, you mean or or like gameplay or progression wise you mean more like direction capcom wanted to oh, go oh gotcha of because, course of course you know so like if capcom made resident evil 3 remake and they were like we're just gonna make this a fucking action game mm -hmm. we're gonna make this a fucking six hour experience you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, it's done. Mm -hmm. And it feels completely different to the original, and they are separate things. 
I think Resident Evil 4 Remake, judging by the demo, I have not played the full game yet. Yeah, so I have, apparently, yeah. apparently it slaps. Yeah, I'm, so I'm I really will, excited I will, I will play it as soon as possible. But according to the demo, to me, it communicated that it is instead going to be a Resident Evil 4 refined. Because yeah. this goes back to your general sentiment before regarding how games age and date themselves. Mm. And I don't necessarily think that's the case always. Like in limited inventory space is an example of like maybe this tool can be used by game developers later. But mm-hmm. I think Resident Evil 4 is one of those scenarios where it's like you make a genre yeah. and you like do such a number on it. The third person over the shoulder action genre that like everyone starts to imitate. Yeah. And everyone does it not better. But they do it. They do it in a much more seamless way. I, uh, we, we were going to play, and there was because of the Murph scheduling conflict, we were going to play Dead Space. Mm. Oh, and okay. I played yeah. Dead Space, and I beat it. Remake or Dead time, Space, the original game. I played the original. Okay. Um, and the entire time playing it, I was like, "This is this is Resident Evil Four. Yes, of course <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, no, but 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 it's like one of those things where it feels better. Mm-hmm. It feels better to move. It feels more responsive, and it feels so good. And like one of my favorite Resident Evil Four versions is the Wii version, which removes some of the stiffness of the original Resident Evil Four. The, those controls um, are so stiff. I think that you get used to them by the end, but it's kind of like yeah. you're forced to. <laughs> where, whereas whereas nowadays it's like because Resident Evil Four is so focused on combat and action and yeah. game feel. It does feel limited in some ways. I still think it's a fucking masterpiece. But um, Resident Evil 4 Remake instead goes for, let's refine these gameplay elements. Let's refine the level design. Let's make the environments more of a thing. Let's make the enemies faster, scarier, more impactful. Yeah. And then let's make let's make Leon fucking move like Resident Evil 6, mm. but better. And Resident Evil 6, for all the complaints people give it, feels good to play sure you may you might like resident evil i might I i'm going to play five and six you, eventually <laughs> you you might like six i i'm gonna call it now Tucker okay all right might i like, like six because because it's like it's 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 linear action it's not very thing but it's like it feels good it yeah. just feels good i don't know it feels good to fucking do crazy moves and you're like i don't know anyways um i'm excited for four play the demo i recommend the demo to anybody yeah but that's it all right, and then the last game of what you're playing, this has been a long what you're playing, is Pizza Tower. Oh yeah. Okay, Tucker, what do you know of Pizza Tower? Uh, inspired by the Wario Land series, has a funny go. pixel art art style, a uh, very expressive, cartoony pizza guy, and yeah, uh, a very very comp- uh, complex <laughs> move move set. I think something like that. Maybe I'm. You, you, you're you're getting there. Okay. Have I haven't played, played it myself. Wario- have you played a Wario Land before? Yeah, I have. I, I played like half of Wario Land 1 and a little bit of Wario Land 4 um, when that came to uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Okay. How much did you play of 4? <laughs> like 40 Did you minutes. play like one level? No, I, I played like two or three of them. Um, but okay. Those All games right. are, that game is so fucking, that's a weird fucking game. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I mean, th- okay. So I would cite Re- uh, Wario Land 4 specifically. Yeah. Namely, namely the, uh, the linear, like specific chunks of levels. 
the um i mean warrior lands also do these things where it's like wario gets hit by an enemy or whatever and he transforms into a thing yeah and then like he, he you know all that cartoony aspects to it those are carried over each level has its own specific elements to it but the specific wario land thing is the speed mm. um so at the end of a wario land four level you hit a timer and then you have to go back into an alternate route yeah and in that alternate route you have to beat the level or you have to go to the started the level in two minutes or whatever yeah and that is what uh pizza tower does is it's a, like a wario land four level and then at the very end it's like oh you got to go back as soon as possible and you can see that the game is built on these cool gimmicks and these cool drawings or whatever but mm -hmm. it's also built on speed yeah it is a very fast game and and it's like it's almost like wario land fucking juiced up on sonic yeah sure and it feels satisfying that's yeah. cool um it's definitely a game I'd like to get to. I've, I've, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And even though I'm not a Wario Land fan, this kind of reinterpretation with modern sensibilities and wacky pizza aesthetic, I'm very in for it. I, I will say, to disclaimer here, because uh -oh. um, I recently found this out. And I was like, oh, no, am I going to mention it on the podcast? Um, the humor and stuff I, I sort of figured, sort of tipped me off. But basically, apparently, there's been online circulation that the person behind the game has had some problematic political views before. Okay, sure. So, yeah. if, does, if does, won't bother like, me with playing the game, but that's interesting. Tiger won't fucking play anything. Yeah. We'll play it. I, I'm still like, hey, it's a good game. Um, if you're if you're doubtful or whatever, yeah. or if you're if you don't agree with the person or whatever, steal the game. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> just fucking pirate the game. All right. Don't don't give them money if you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. All right, um, anyways, are you ready for the variety minute? Sure, let's go. This week's variety minute is acting in video games because our because our main game is all about fucking acting, oh, dog. Yeah, and uh, what do you think about acting in games, Tucker? I have been wowed more recently by more performances in games than I ever have before. I've been playing a lot of games in the last two years specifically, some of which I'm going to bring up here as some of my favorite examples of acting in games that I think rival if not surpass some of my favorite film performances and obviously we're, as we've talked about we're not tv guys so i don't know any fucking tv performances i don't know uh, gilligan's island i watched some gilligan's island um there you go but the classic anime <laughs> classic. there are there are a lot of game performances that i really like but as we'll talk about here you've got a huge list of, of very iconic ones but most of my favorite ones are kind of off the beaten path in terms of Dude. how much they resonated with me hey bring it Let's see it. Okay, well, one of them is less uh, off the beaten path because uh, last year, Sam Barlow put out a game called Immortality, and Man Engage as Marissa Marcel honestly might be the most impressive video game acting performance I've ever seen because she's playing like seven layers of like eight different characters. It's insane, and she's carrying it basically by herself for like the whole. 12 hours you're playing this game and god I'm gonna ask damn about that a little i'm gonna ask about that a little bit and telling you i have not played immortality yet Ooh, okay. i was gonna save it for for a murph bro playthrough on our youtube channel Perfect. daydreamcast youtube channel however Subscribe. i am so interested because like 
I guess we'll get into it with Telling Lies, but Telling Lies is an ensemble thing with multiple yes. actors, yes. multiple things. And then it goes back to, like, I'm so, like, Immortality goes back to a much more, you're spending so much time with one person, like her story mm -hmm. does, with one actress. One actress is doing multiple levels of performance here. So, I'm guessing you're seeing movie clips in Immortality, correct? Is that what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's more movie than um than telling lies of her story are because they're intended obviously i mean you know the concept of immortality they're intended to be sure. clips from movies or it's behind the scenes stuff and that sure. level of balance i think is really fascinating especially once you play the game you'll understand the layers of marissa marcel as a person and the um at performances she's giving on screen and then behind the scenes and then who is she really as a person and there's sort of this meta larger narrative that you uncover as you go throughout the game that is i think what really brings it to the next level um and as i said she i, I think she blows any of these other performances out of the water because she has like inherent variety she has to be playing uh the the pop star and she has to be playing the um the like corrupted nun in one of the movies like there's so many different roles and that, that just doesn't happen in video games. And, and, you know, there's, like, distinctions to be made here, too, because it's, like, there is the actor when you're in a fucking FMV movie. Yes. Where it's, like, technically... Which basically only Sam Barlow does now. I would, I would say, like, 90% of fucking her story, telling lies, or immortality, is the actor 100%. fucking holding up, like, performing. Exactly. You have to... If you suck as an actor, you can't make the game. No, absolutely. Like, the game is bad. Yeah. So then it's writing on you. So it says so much of their performances that um, that these uh, are pulled off. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's like also when you contrast it with voice acting, yeah. motion cap work, yep. or just celebrity, you know, voices or whatever. It's like, so like the game of awards last year, Christopher Judge as Kratos yeah. got the award. And yeah. it's like, it's like he doesn't deserve it. No, he's, he's pretty fucking good. Yeah. He's fucking great. But also it says so much that it's like a lot of the physicality of being in the movie mm. is like separate from me in a mocap suit yeah. doing a prop and then like oh now you've made a kratos and now i'm beside a snake you yeah. know what i mean like there's just a different level of like actor conveyance and i'm not saying one is better than the no, other but it's not. definitely different yeah and i know? think the difference is what really connected me to man gage's performance as marissa marcel is i played god of war i love that game i played god of war ragnarok i love that sure. game it's one of my favorite games of all time there's a lot of these uh, primarily, you know, Sony, AAA, uh, cinematic game, motion capture, voice actor performances that I think are, I, I'll get to some of them. It's some of my favorite all the time, but I'd never, I'd never played a San Barlow game primarily. I mean, he's really the only one doing uh, this kind of fidelity of FMV video, uh, games nowadays. And so that just like, it, like it, it, in the way we were talking about earlier, it gave me a new experience. I'm like, wow, games can do this. This is basically like three and a half movies worth of content that is on the level of quality of three and a half movies worth of content. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was so hoping she would have won last year. I love Christopher Judge. I love God of War Ragnarok. I love Kratos, but Men Engage brings yeah. something new, which I, I really th I wish that the Game Awards could have, um, could have awarded whatever. Yeah. Recognized. Yes. You know what I mean? But they were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta give it to Christopher Judge. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that I'm glad Christopher Judge just took his time. At the oh my god, it was so long. It was funny as hell, though. Oh my I god, I was about it. Cause like I'm what I'm anti is is like, oh, we're gonna 
do fucking awards, whatever. We're just going to throw out the awards. You spend two seconds saying thank you. Sometimes the people who get them don't even get that. Mm -hmm. So Christopher Judge just milking fucking like six minutes Mm -hmm. is like, I wish everyone else got to do that. Mm -hmm. And that that would be a worthy award show. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happened. Anyways, um, there's a bunch of other ones on here. I will cite the old FMV classics. Mm. Like we're fucking talking Night Trap. Um, Phantasmagoria, where these really lay the the setting stones for what happens in the future. Um, I just like the X Files game. I just wrote that down because it's like because mm. they brought back David Duchovny and uh, Gillian Anderson, and it feels like an X Files fucking episode. But you're pointing and clicking and doing all that stuff. Super fun stuff. They're not necessarily fucking great. Mm-hmm. These were fucking 80s and 90s, or yeah. mostly 90s games. And it's like, but hey, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think where it really comes down to is like voice acting. I think voice acting sails in a lot of this stuff. Like Ellen McClain as GLaDOS is mm. like oh, yeah. fucking whoa. Yeah. Um, and whoever voices Wheatley. Oh, he's so funny. Uh, Stephen Merchant. I okay. Believe. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. He's British. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> There's only one British actor as far as I know. <laughs> um, or like Ashley Birch as Chloe in Life is Strange. Sure. Um you know, I'm I'm less I, I'm less, you know, encouraging for generic celebrities. I don't like like I think they work okay. Keanu Reeves in Cyberpunk, I'm like, eh, you know, he's okay. Yeah. It, but it's I also think that Keanu more, Reeves is just an okay actor. I like his movies, but I, I don't I'm think he's great. A, I'm, I'm a Keanu Reeves defender. Mm-hmm. The thing that's about Keanu Reeves is like it's a certain affectation that you have to like. It's not yeah. like a natural it's a, a, it's a little like Nick Cage. Where it's sure. like what you're watching is a act like a performance yes, rather yes. than an actor trying to live and breathe the character. Totally fair. John McFour, this week, get hyped. <laughs> there you go. Um but that being said, another good example is David Hayter as Solid Snake yeah. versus Kiefer Sutherland as Don uh Sonald's I shouldn't say Solid Snake. That's not the character technically, but as Snake. Mm-hmm. People are like, what the fuck? Why is David Hayter not Snake? What's going on here? Um, and I think something is missed out. Kiefer Sutherland's okay in the role. And at least it forced the budget to mean uh, Kojima had to give less lines and it's less fucking two hours of exposition. Sure, sure. But but, but that being said, I think, I think just because you hire a fucking top-notch actor does not necessarily mean you get what the game needs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Know? And I think that that is the delineation between... Um, the best voice acting performances when you've got Ashley Birch and Nolan North and uh, and um, the, the, all, everyone in, and Troy Baker, everyone in The Last of Us, giving these performances, I'm like, they're giving some of the best video game performances I've ever experienced. Um, but they're also not people that have largely experience with being on screen in television or films. And I, I think that distinction is very important. And when you are looking at the trailer for um death stranding and it's basically only uh performances from people you're gonna recognize you're like what the fuck yep. is that guillermo del toro oh my god leah say do um and uh, half of it's like Jeff- kojima showing off his fucking networking yeah contacts. Uh, having, like, okay, having I uh, you know jeff keely in there <laughs> yeah um like, you kojima but yeah I'm, I'm not as big of a fan of that and i don't think they like connect to me as much when i think of yeah. death stranding i think of the world and the memes and and the con the, the crazy gameplay, concept. the unique gameplay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think of Norman Reedus. I, if I'm gonna think or of at Norman least I don't Reedus, want to. 
What? Sorry? At least I don't want to think of Norman. Yeah, yeah. But when I do think of Norman Reedus, all I think of is me playing that game and watching him, like, crush a monster energy drink and go take a shower. And I'm like, I don't care about that. It's funny. And, and, and that is the worst part of... To me, that's the worst part of Deathstroke. Yeah, yeah. That is, like, where it sinks. And it's like, man... Um, Nolan North and Troy Baker, and yeah. all, fucking all those voice actors, clear it every time. I love them. I will say, in contrast, the reason why I wrote Guy Seahe for Silent Hill on here mm. is because I do think it's interesting the different acting styles and what games... You haven't played any Silent Hills, right? No, no. Yeah, that's not one I have any... Uh, Are, would you play Silent Hill 2 Remake when it comes out this Probably, year by yeah. Blue Team? Yeah. If it's good. You... If it's good. <laughs> it might not be good. Yeah. So we'll I played the medium and I thought, what the fuck is this? Um, yeah. I don't have... We'll I honestly... This is maybe a controversial take. I don't have a huge amount of faith in Konami bringing back Silent Hill because they've greenlit no. like 20 fucking projects and they announce them all at the same time. It's like, guys, this might be a bit too much. Uh, but hey, yeah. if it's if it's this great, then, then Silent Hill is back and I'd love to have another... Um, Annapurna's uh, doing one. Yeah. Annapurna's like Are they doing F? Publishing one. Or Red? Or I think they're doing uh, Townfall. Origins? Or I don't know what I'm talking about. I but. don't know, dog. Anyways. Um, God, you're right. Anyways, what I was going to say was, Guy C. He did the original voice of James yeah. in the original Silent Hill. And it's so important when you play the original Silent Hill 2 that it's like, it's so hard to convey unless you see it and you hear it. But Guy C. He's voice is very like, it's not artificial. It feels like it feels like mentally ill. It feels like oh, sure. this guy is not right in the head, and it's like Mary died of that damn disease years ago, and it's like what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. And and that is actually so intrinsic to the game's aesthetic. Mm. All the actors mm. do that. All of them do, and then like is intrinsic to the character, and it makes so much sense. Then during the Silent Hill two. HD remake, not HD remake, but it's like an HD port for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Yeah, the 3. Notorious Collection. The Notorious Collection. They redid the voice acting. Mm. And they got Troy Baker to do James Sunderland. Mm. And it and the interesting thing about the performance is, like, I think Troy Baker is really good at what he does. Yeah. He goes for the, na- like, he goes for a natural voice. He goes for, like, a, a He's tougher, like a human person. He's like a human person. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, spoiler alert for Silent Hill 2. Oh, I shouldn't spoil it. I guess I shouldn't spoil it. Anyway, I know yeah, fucking I'm... nothing about Silent Hill 2. Or Silent Hill in general. All I could say is Pyramid Head? A fog? All I'll say is, is like, he's meant to be more, he like plays it more tragic and straight where he's like, he sounds sad and he sounds like, oh, there's a, there's a heavy weight on me. Mm -hmm. Like it it feels more like that and it doesn't work at all for like, cause everything else feels fucking the look, the feel of the game feels the original way of like, oh, this is meant to be not right in your brain. Mm -hmm. And guys see, he just fucking nails it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. That's some weird acting that just fucking works. Anyways, the other games I was going to complain about, David Cage games. Ah, I, okay. I don't know if you've played any of these. Yeah, I... Play Indigo Pro- no, Prophecy. No, I've not played that. Or... And no one fucking talks about Indigo Prophecy. Um, I'm actually... Pl- I'm like uh, three-fourths of the way through a Heavy Rain playthrough. Um, my first oh, time God. playing that game. And, my condolences. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, but yeah. I love... Detroit Become Human is my favorite game of all time. I love I haven't that played game. Detroit Become Human. Um, I... And, and the performances like are very stilted in that, but um, intentionally so because they're they're androids and they're like learning about yeah. their their own intelligence, or whatever. Um, I think the game's phenomenal, so that's my connection to David Cage games. Um, I own Beyond uh, uh, Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. Yeah, I own that, that on PS3. I'm gonna play it eventually. It's, 
to me, there's like a little bit of a mediocrity slash like forcing of auteurness. I think that's one of the issues is like when we get to a lot of these things, there's like a heavy auteur lens to it. Cause like when we talk about acting, we talk about film, film is much more rooted in auteur. I still don't believe mm. in auteur theory for film, mm -hmm. but even then it's like, okay, I see. And then like fucking telling lies. I'm like, Sam Barlow fucking probably is the auteur of this fucking game. Yeah. I don't think that's a debate, but like when it comes down to this other stuff, it's like, yeah, man, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think this, you know, I don't think it plays out. Um, I was going to say, even though I love Detroit Become Human, none of the none of the characters or actors from that really crack into my personal favorites. Uh, if I want to read a couple more from my list What makes you like here. it? Is it the plot? The writing? I, I did a whole breakdown of this when I, I played that entire game in one sitting, which is kind of okay. crazy because it's like a, it's like a 12-hour game. I was up until like 3 a.m. I played it for like basically the entire day. I, I adore that game. It's it's the world. It's the writing. It's the the impact that your choices have on on the story. There's so much fractaling of if you make this choice and someone dies and you mess, a quick time up, uh, mess up a quick time event, it throws everything off course. I, I adore that game. But none of those performances are on my personal list. You mentioned... um. Uh, who is it in in Life is, Life is Strange? Um, Ashley Birch. Um, yes. And I, I my Life is Strange connection, even though I played a little bit of the original one, um, is Alex Chen. Uh, Erica Mori is Alex Chen in Life is Strange: True Colors, which is one another one of my favorite games of the last few years. Okay. Her performance, especially combined with the motion capture, is uh, I think next um, on the list from Man Engages Marissa Marcel as my favorite game performance because there's so much emotion that the motion capture and animation on Alex Chen's face and Eric Mori's performance allows for the character to go through. And Alex has such a complicated history and complicated relationships to everyone in the town around her. And it just blew me away, the amount of emotion, variety of emotion, and like character picks and nuance that made me feel like Alex Chen is a real person. And I'm yeah. controlling her life, but I want to like make good by her as a person and her personality. Like That's what a She's real performance... Separate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um... And another, another game, a uh, game more disappointment when they gave it to the woman who played fucking Lady Demetrescu, and she was fine, she was good, but it's not Alex Chen, it's not Erica Mori. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's that good. I don't think D Lady Demetrescu is like that. No, she's, I think she's that's fine. A, she's that's a mean pick. Yeah, yeah. No, it absolutely is. I hope, uh, she's good. I hope she gets more work, but. Yeah. Um, no comments, I guess. But yeah, that that that's another one of my my main ones, and you can talk about something else. I got a couple more to, to mention, but um, the big thing I was gonna say, I I wrote down Vice City because it's the first one that came to mind. But any Rockstar game in general, mm -hmm. I think Rockstar just does a really great job. Yeah. Um, but Vice City was the first time they got like real celebrities. They got Ray Liotta and Burt Reynolds and and a few others. They got William Fichtner for the lawyer. Um, and then, like, onwards, they go for more ambitious storytelling. Rockstar's also a company similar to Naughty Dog, where they're like, we want to be taken more seriously as we yeah. go on. And um, I think it really works well for Grand Theft Auto V, specifically for the uh, Stephen Ogg for Trevor. And then when it goes to Red Dead Redemption, I really like Arthur and John. I think those are really good performances. Sure. Yeah. And they really drive the, the, uh, the emotions of the game. Mm-hmm. Despite the gameplay also being similar to Uncharted, where you're killing 200 men per level. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, wait one second. I only have like a $30 bounty. I just massacred the entire state's population. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, continue. Yeah, another another couple picks for me coming from those um, cinematic AAA Sony games um, is 
I think Abby is my favorite performance in the Last of Us series. I think Laura Bailey absolutely nails it. The complexity of that character, the scenario that you're put in as playing surgery we talked about earlier, she's the one that really steals the show for me. Um, and when I played Last of Us Part Two, I, I, I love Ellie. I love I love the performance. I love um, I love uh, all the, all of her supporting cast. But playing as Abby and Laura Bailey's performance and the connection that I got to her supporting characters that completely changed the game for me as i talked about earlier like Ab abby is really one of my another one of my favorite performances and characters of the last few years with laura bailey yeah no I, I i can totally see that and it's also like she she isn't i wouldn't even say she's per, even by like when you start her thing the, her her people don't like her yeah because she just brutally murdered somebody and everyone's like she's a little weird yeah. i think that was inappropriate mm -hmm. and so when her personal journey with lev yeah where she sort of starts to see that, you know, the family is not this tribe of violence, yeah, but yeah. is instead the people you care about. I think that works so well. And Ellie, Ellie does have an arc, but it, it it's so back ended. Yeah, 100%. It's like, where, whereas you feel Abby in like the entire time you're playing as Abby. Yeah. So then like, yeah, totally. I get it. Yeah. And the other two examples um, come from the game that won best uh, acting last year. God of War Ragnarok, but it's not Christopher Judge, it's not Sonny Soljic, it's Adam J. Harrington as Sindri and Danielle Bissuti as Freya. Those two really no, are what fair. sold that game for me. I love I love Kratos, I love Atreus, but the supporting cast and the way that they come together and have these arcs and these emotional moments. Sindri's, uh, I, I'm not going to spoil, because this is a much more recent sure. game. There, there, is, there is a God of War discussion you could go. Yes, I, I listened to that. Plugging. I listened to that. Plug, plug, plug. I did. I did. Um, and and Freya, her performance, Daniel Bazzuti's performance, um, being so frustrated at the beginning of the game and coming around and and not knowing whether she can trust Kratos or not and having these moments of of um, goddess power that she portrays, but also being a woman with internal conflict and a tortured past, as you learn um, with her relationship with um, with Odin. It, like it's so fascinating and. And Sindri and Brock were so much fun in that first game, but they're both brought to such a totally new level in Ragnarok. And some of the moments of Sindri's performance, Adam J. Harrington's performance as Sindri are just like next level, like emotion. And oh my God, maybe care about those characters. The game demands a lot of both of those actors in yeah. different ways. Um, without spoiling it, th there is a lot of emotional demand for Sindri. Yeah. He has to go from highs and lows of like, oh, I'm being a very silly comedic character. I'm a funny dwarf blacksmith to like, oh, I I am now the, like, I am the the character in the room with the most emotional, emotional baggage. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And for like the last so, so he like has to third of the game. So yeah. Much. 100%. Yes. Um, and, and likewise for Freya, she's got to balance both being a companion partner that's also like, oh, hey, over there, shoot that, Kratos. Yeah, yeah. And then like, I'm fucking emotional too. And it's it's such a delicate balance. Um, for me, God of War, especially Ragnarok, the, the performances that I stuck in mind, especially now after I recorded that podcast, mm -hmm. was Odin. Yeah, Odin. Thor, he's so good. Oh and, my God. And Angraboda. Yeah. Um, I think Angraboda is really good for, she has a, she has a difficult, uh, role only because of her time mm. and like and how her level goes mm. it's like i have this much time to make you like me and she does it she absolutely sells it 100 yeah and then uh and odin is just like 
it is and it, this may describe so much of a difference in storytelling between the games like god of war 3 or god of war 2 zeus mm-hmm. is like fucking ah oh, kratos i'm gonna kick your ass and then like odin is a much more well-written character he's so good he's so good and richard schiff does a really good job bringing home the appeal of the character the problems of the character you can't trust him but he's just appealing enough to where you're like, wait one second. Actually, what you have to say. Yeah, and every time you're like learning from him, you're like, oh no, he's giving me like genuine advice, and it sounds yes. like he really cares. And then he's and then he snaps, and he, of course he's the villain of the game. And it's like, holy shit, and he yeah. does some of the most this like despicable world-ending character de- defining stuff by the end. But yeah, that and that ah, oh, that that is great. God, that, what a great cast. Tear is also oh. great. Um. Oh my God, Mimir, Throod. I love all these characters. They just—that's probably my they, favorite ensemble cast of a game. That's fair. That—that's not a bad ensemble. Okay, we're, we're getting long now. Can so I do I'm one quick final shout out? Shout out. One okay, quick final shout out. The yeah. narrator, Kevin Brighting from the Stanley Parable. Very there interesting voiceover performance, sure. but the way that he has such an iconic voice and he plays with emotion in really interesting ways where he's like messing with you, but he also has like this background own personality of his own. And especially when you get to ultra deluxe and there's like genuine story moments with him where he's questioning his own purpose in like this weird video game universe and talking about like the nature of creating a game and like having, uh, um, uh, like the fear of being an artist and like, how are you expressing uh, yourself to others like there's so much emotion there that is done without any there's no motion capture there's no physical acting yeah. you never see his face i don't even know what he fucking looks like but whenever i hear that guy's voice i'm like yeah that's a video game performance he reminds me a bit of glados but it also demands so much more because of the because of so many branches the story takes um he's able to maintain a consistent tone of voice and an identifiable thing but he is able to like it, again, it asks more of him than, like, GLaDOS. Because yeah. um, basically the entire game is, like, sold by him yeah. talking to you while you're doing stupid shit. Th- that is the gameplay. The gameplay is I want to hear more of what this guy has to say. Yep. He tells me to pick a door uh, on the right. I'm going to choose the one on the left. What's the broom closet say? is my favorite. Oh, God. Oh, I love yeah. that game so fucking much. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to go through these real quick. Perfect. Uh L.A. Noir, interesting because that was very focused on facial mapping. Yeah. So it was a heavy actor performance. Um, I don't love L.A. Noir, but that will one day be a DD cast game. I don't know when or how or who, but we'll go over it one day. Um, Simon Templeton, Legacy of Kane, and the general Legacy of Kane vibe. Um, I know you haven't played Legacy no, of Kane, no experience. But it, they're much more. I recommend just like looking up some fucking cutscenes or something because Simon Templeton from like the way they did. Crystal Dynamics did Legacy of Kane back in the day. It was so much fun. The way I always say is like faux Shakespeare. There's like a caricature and cartooniness to it where Simon Templeton's like, and so I entered the dungeon and I saw the person over there and I said, very Victus, mm-hmm. and I murdered him. And it just, and it goes into like everything you do. It's like a little bit of a Zelda dungeon crawler like thing where you're like slashing beasts and you're a vampire and you're yeah. fucking murdering people. It just sounds so fucking fun and yeah. it's just he's he's having a ball cheesing it up and you're cheesing it up with mm-hmm. him um and then the other one i was gonna say oh maybe just for the news of it yeah was quantum break with uh lance reddick who mm-hmm. recently passed away who is a phenomenal actor yeah and just fucking carries everything jesus christ even when even in mediocre things he's a fucking 
that's that's like to me the mark of a true actor is even when you're in something bad you're still fucking like no complaints you fucking made it Mm -hmm. love it you know yeah um and yeah that's it no more comments uh another one uh, just one final thing in the same vein as the narrator kevin brighting in in stanley parable uh the narrator from bastion logan cunningham He's so fucking Oh, there funny. you go. That's another the, great... The gruff cowboy voice. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Another one that completely sells the game. The combat of uh, an exploration of Bastion... I love Bastion. It's a great game, but it's the narration and the way they play with narration that really makes that game sing. And so, yeah, another great shout out there. Okay, all right. Move on. God, Are you ready to long. fucking talk about the game we're supposed to talk <laughs> yeah! about? Yeah! I played six and a half hours of this game today. Dear Jesus, I feel sorry for you. Hey, I want to get under the wire so we can actually record this on the day we planned. Okay, all right. I got to do a description real quick. This week's Game of the Week is Telling Lies, a 2019 game developed by Furious B slash Sam Barlow, published by Annapurna Interactive. Very similar and a bit of an evolution of Barlow's previous title, Her Story, this game involves players playing as a mysterious woman, searching through NSA video files related to a specific case, relating to David Smith, who also goes by other aliases within the game. Uh, He operates in a large web of lies and deceit that affects secondary characters. You search through these FMV files and getting little bits of information and you try to assemble a context with them by finding keywords and discovering new clips with those keywords. By the end of the game, hopefully you'll have an idea of what actually happened, but perhaps not the full story unless you go through multiple playthroughs. Okay, Tucker, what'd you think of this game? Now... As I mentioned earlier, Immortality, Mercer Marcel, everything of that, that's what introduced me to Sam Barlow, and that's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, And I recently went back and played Her Story, which is actually what gave us the idea to do Telling Lies on here, is now I've played the Holy Trinity of of Sam Barlow games. Um, And Telling Lies, I think, I started off a little bit confused, a little bit like, ah, this isn't quite hitting the highs. But I do think that as I got into the game and really sat down... It got better. It, it, it absolutely better. gets better, and you learn about like a, a much larger, larger variety of characters. This is the only like true ensemble game that Sam Barlow has done, and it's it sells itself. 
I think it's this crazy game is, ambitious. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was shocked by the going from her story to this. I was shocked by how much content there was. Yeah, I was like, there's way more video clips. Oh my god, they're all longer, and they're and they have more actors, and they're in different places, yep. which is something that her story obviously never even attempted to have. And um, there's different meanings and contexts from like, because in her story, you really only had the performance yeah and then there was the context of like oh she's being interrogated by police yeah and you've got and this it's you've like, got this old uh computer frame device and it's it's okay and it's interesting but it's yeah. not like selling it but i do think you're right the um framing of this as looking through files that you're not quite supposed to see and um mm -hmm. and feeling like you're a voyeur in other people's lives yes. in a way that her story, those videos were intended to be watched by someone, but yes, the video exactly. clips here with you're the invading story privacy. You're here. absolutely invading, like it's like someone's looking through my phone right now, watching me discuss this, Record especially this because, podcast. yeah, and something that I think is both probably my biggest criticism with this game, but also in some ways, this game's biggest strength is they don't cut, there's no, they have the downtime in these videos that people. Are having conversations, and when you have a conversation, like on the say the Daydream cast, uh, is I am sitting uh, here just nodding my head, going, "Yeah, I'm waiting for my turn to talk." And then, yeah, that that's totally there here. Oh my god, yeah, and I didn't it, like that. I didn't like it either, but I think it's important for the game. So I, yes. I still, I still like stand by it, even though like it did, it holds it back from what it's I think is so choice. great of the other two. And, and it's like when you're looking at it. What 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 works is it allows you to make a connection in your mind. Yeah. When you see one clip and then there's like a I'm talking and then I stop talking. I'm waiting for you to talk. Yeah. And then I respond. Oh really? You like purple? Yeah. And the color? And then you're like, oh my god. I can search purple. That last video. I know. I know who they're talking to. Yep. I know. I know what moment that was. Yep. And then the context fills in and then you start fleshing it out. And to me, that's a much more organic way to build the relationships yeah. than her story. Her story was a little bit harder for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll also say in defense of these webcam moments where you stop talking, yeah. that goes, at least, I don't know how you played, mm -hmm. but the way I played, I went down the Ava route mm -hmm. with the eco-terrorism route. Yeah. And in that route, there's a lot more just hidden cameras with the ensemble mm, oh, talking to each other. Yeah. So there was a lot less of the one-on-one -on -one Skype call. Yeah. So I had less of those moments as I went on. I was like, okay, this is starting to pick up. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Well, what's interesting about my experience with this game, as um, I mentioned earlier, I played this basically this entire game today. I played I played six and a half hours of this game. I you watched saw all every of it. I watched every single clip. Now I didn't get them organically. I got like 150 out of 170 of them, and then I'm like. What the fuck am I supposed to search up? And I and I found a list of words, and and that's fine by me. I did the same thing for her story, and for me, yeah. completing the full picture is what gives me the experience of this game. Um, and I played oh, like see, I'm not a completionist. This is this is wild because I because I went through my one thing, and I was like, this is my intended way to see it, hmm. and I did look I did look up plot details later because you don't if you just do like if you just do it straight up, you'll miss out on stuff, and I did. Yeah. Um, but. I felt it like so personal to me. Hmm. I was like, this is, this was my playthrough. Yeah. And I got the glimpses I got of the other stories were enough for me to be like, okay, maybe I'll go back to it and learn those other playthroughs. But this was mine. I didn't need to see all of it. Yeah. It, but the reason I didn't have that same experience, though I totally understand like focusing on one and then just like the little thing at the end comes up. It's like, you want to upload your files? Okay. Yeah, no, I'm done. This was my playthrough. Yeah, that's totally valid. But I think because I started this game 
and I didn't focus on one at first. I was like, okay, here's his wife, and and who is Ava, and oh, and then I and then I stumbled upon um, Michelle slash Melissa slash Max slash Maxine, and I'm like, this is an interesting story, and then I started watching that, but then every once in a while I would a clip from Ava's story or um, or his wife Emma's story would come up or his daughter, and I'm like. No, okay, I got to learn a little more about this. And I think what is so interesting about the ensemble cast of this is you're right, there are specific storylines. There is um, uh, David's relationship with Maxine, there's David's relationship with Ava, and David's relationship with Emma. But But the way you interact with it is splintered. Yes. You can go whichever way you want whenever you want. 100%. But I do think that on a narrative level, getting to know David Jones slash Miller slash Smith throughout the course of the game, um, I think his real name is Miller. Um, if you, if you watch the, like, discussions with Mike, his FBI boss, Going into and deep Harry. Tucker lore. No, the lore of the fucking game that we're supposed to talk about today. Um, there is, if you want to know really who David is a person, and, like, the thoughts going through his head as he's talking to each of these women, I think you do need to know what has happened before All with these it. other people. You is, want the context. Yeah, yeah is... Uh, his relationship with Maxine is so different from the other women because he's much more yes. open with them. He's honest about who he is and his past in a way that doesn't come till the end for both Ava and Emma. And especially Ava and Emma's stories, those are so intertwined of of lying to Ava about his identity as an FBI agent, but also that he's married, that he has this past. We forgot to mention all that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this whole thing. So David is an FBI agent it, yeah, who is um, working with the FBI to undermine an, uh, an, a group of act, eco-activists eco who want to tear down a pipeline that's going through Michigan. Um, he and goes, bookmark some of that plot because I want to talk about that later. Perfect. But continue. Yeah. He goes undercover and, and uh, leaves his family, his wife Emma and his daughter Alba, um, at home alone. And the distance between that relationship and the history that I have there... Um, there's, there's tension there because he's not at home with his family. Yeah. Um, and to be undercover, he builds a relationship with this woman, Ava Martin, who is much younger. She's 19 while he's 28. She has this whole history of wanting to be a rock star. She works at a, um, a record uh, establishment sales place. Um, and she is one of the people involved in the um, eco-activism. Uh, and, but he falls in love with her and they build a real relationship. She gets pregnant and he has to deal with the internal strife of loving Ava and wanting to continue their life, but lying to his wife and lying to her about the fact that he has a wife and another daughter. And that all the while he's building this relationship with a sex worker, Maxine, who he doesn't use for like, you know, perverted means, but just talks to and uses her extensively as a therapist. And, but she doesn't give him true information about herself. And eventually their relationship comes a little bit, um, uh, you know, rubs up against each other in bad ways and that comes to a head and there's blackmail and he gets shot and it's fucking crazy but because of the mental state of david i felt that it was really necessary to know each of these women his relationship to each of these women and across the course of the game just continually piece together everyone's narrative so for me the narrative of uh of telling lies is not just the story of david getting to know ava and being involved in this sure. fbi eco eco sure, scheme it is yeah, 100%. him as a person and the internal conflict and the relationships that he's building uh, slash being distanced from that makes yeah. him not a, not a relatable character. I've never done the, that. The, Hopefully I never will. But uh, okay. an interesting, very, very dynamic and complex layered character. 
Sure, definitely. And I think that is, I guess that's where I was leaning on. It was not, it's not necessarily that my plot was the definitive one. Yeah. Or that the context does not enrich understanding of David as a character or the plots. Um, I think what I was trying to say was, is, and this is, this is what makes the game the game. Yeah. Right. Is the order of the clips you watch mm. is personal to you. 100%. The ones you choose, the keywords you choose are unique to you and how you watch them and how the threads you make in your mind are reflect you, you as a person in your brain. Yeah. So so your experience is tailored to that. It's not as if the Ava plot line is the only plot line you should experience. Yeah. It's more like I what I saw made sense to me as a sure. personal thing. Yeah. And it was like, yes, this makes sense. And I would like more context and I would like this more enriching experience. All right. Full transparency of what I saw. I saw a lot of the breakdown of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And I will say in terms of the webcam Skype segments, David's interaction with his daughter yeah. uh, was the most effective. Cause a lot of those were like the silent moments where she's trying to go to sleep or something. Mm, yeah. And like, he's having a real emotional connection because otherwise David is a mask. Yeah. He's wearing masks to, you know, get what he wants or make other people happy or whatever. And it's only in those segments or like in his therapy sessions with Maxine, I guess we could say, um, where he lets the mask slip yeah. and he gets to be himself, quote unquote. And um, those are important to see alongside the, the seeing the mask in the main plot. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to go over two gameplay issues i have and there certainly into... are some and this is why this is my least favorite of the three sam barlow plays games i played okay i don't know i don't know what you're going to complain about I, this Perfect. is what i'm going to complain about number one in terms of the ui i like the more modern mac style yeah. approach of the hud um that being said i wish you could fucking make the video clips into a window 100 percent. absolutely that way you could fucking write your notes mm -hmm. and then not have to pause the fucking game. Yep. Get out of the fucking clip. Find where you were again. Now, I, I eschewed that by taking goddamn <laughs> a shitload of notes on my phone. That's fair. And this is no, the exact same way I played her story is, and, yeah. and I think this is what contributes to me being so immersed in these games is I do feel like I am doing detective work and I've got a whole list of keywords here from yep. government, p prison, Meemaw, pristine, Thanksgiving, LA, bridge, Portland, terrorist, green storm. Like there's so many, and of course, tons and tons and tons of names. There's a lot of goddamn yep. names in this game that, yep. that really makes this, her story in telling lies, re uh, regardless of my complaints with the UI, which I, I do want to continue talking about, such an enriching experience is even if I find it a little bit clunky, I'm engaged on this it meta level of- yeah. Of I am taking these notes and I'm I'm using my own intuition of understanding how people talk to one another and reference other people's names and, and what are your hide yeah. what are you hiding and what do you not reference when you're around other people because you both know what you're talking about and referencing that back from something I've learned from the end of the story to the beginning like the fractured nature of of these especially these two games her story and telling lies is such a like these stories both these stories are very good stories are very well written the dialogue is amazing the acting is phenomenal but it's the way that you discover them yourself and realize oh shit this person that i thought he was talking to was actually someone else and oh shit this revelation of oh uh ava is pregnant and he was referencing this in a clip that i didn't quite understand later that recontextualizes things you're you're building the story like in itself for the entire duration of the runtime um 
which is why I did want to watch every clip is I felt like if I saw Ava react to something and I never saw what David said, I feel like I'd be missing you, out on that part of the conversation. Yeah. And and of course, yeah. then it would be like, I was writing the other day. I, I have a, a whole like script of like what happened on each day. And I'm like, okay, so yeah. he knew this at this time. And these two things happened on the same day. And he had a bruise I did that in her here. story. I, I was trying to get a timeline of events. Oh yeah. my God. I gave up on that on that one. It's, um, it's a lot clearer like, here. Because, yeah. because they've got the days and it's following yeah. David. It's not like, it, well, is this two people? What the fuck is going on? Um, oh, dude. In our... Her story was very confusing. It's like the twins. Yeah. And then at one point in time, I thought it was like dissociative identity disorder yeah. in her story. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to the UI real quick. Yeah. The other complaint I had was when you do the tags, mm. um, you'll go to an area. Let's say there's a three minute clip. Yeah. Let's say it's an eight minute clip. Yeah. They can Sometimes go up to there 10, those, I think. They go up to 10. Her story was never like that. No. The, like, the longest clip in her story was, like, three minutes. Yeah, three or four minutes. Tops. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyways, um, let's say you have an eight-minute clip, and then you type in a word, dog, or whatever, and that's at minute five. Mm -hmm. You have, number one, you have the full clip at your disposal. And the way my brain works is, like, I want the full clip. So now I rewind back to second one. Yeah. No, I did that every time as well. I 100% <laughs> did. And that, I think, is what really doesn't, it doesn't kill the pacing. But it harms the pacing enough to make this a, like, definitively different experience from her story is there's no yes. way to just press fucking backspace all the way to the beginning. If they did that, this yes. game would be much more fluid. I would not have this complaint. But yeah. sitting there, put my goddamn finger on the trackpad holding backwards by the way it's a little finicky and you have to like center the thing and like make sure you're dragging it back all the way oh my god um, don't get me started on sitting the actual there rewinding and waiting. It's bad. sitting there yeah. and waiting i i tried to make it a little better by myself for myself by like looking at my notes reflecting on things deleting things i had already looked at or or just sitting there like taking some deep breaths so i could like focus myself but the fact that you can't yeah. just like start at the beginning it's yeah. terrible. It sucks. Especially because the clips are so goddamn long. Sometimes you have to rewind um, four or five exactly. minutes. And, and you it, want to revisit a specific moment. And you're like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a very bad UI decision. And it really does decrease the interactivity of it. Because the cl clips being long, you need to be able to uh, manipulate them in the way that you see fit. And that allows you to build the story. But you have to just sit there and wait for it to three times speed is not enough rewind and like if it went up to 10 you'd be jumping back real the goddamn quick and it wouldn't be a problem but three times speed is the fastest you're going backwards and that's just not enough yeah um let's go back to the story slash performance real quick how how do you feel about the mother-in-law's dementia mm. and how do you feel about um how do you feel about the eco-terrorist plot the mother's dementia um uh, her name's laura she's emma's mom um, and she's there in place of David because she wants to make sure that, that Alba is taken care of and that, um, sure. that, that Emma feels like she has someone else around. Um, but that was like, that was like the M tier plot line for me. I, I, yeah. I thought that her dynamic with David was interesting and, the, but as a character, I, uh, I didn't really care. And if she dies, I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> su sue me. But I do think I'll that the role she serves is very important in 
her slipping up and mentioning other people's names of previous relationships that Emma has had and not quite recognizing who David is and not understanding what's going on and that complicating what Emma's like perspective is on her role in the family. I think yep. as she impacts David and Emma, I love her inclusion, but she's probably the character I care the least about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like I like Emma and Alba as the plot line. Yeah. But when when it comes to that, I'm like, eh. I'm interested in what your more of your thoughts on Maxine. That is the plot I saw the least. I saw like a handful of clips. I was like, okay, he he webcams and he does a therapy he does therapy sessions with the webcam girl. Looking at the Wikipedia, I was like, oh, there's like a real plot here. Yeah. I missed something. But uh, otherwise, I you know, eh. Um, the one thing I wanted to say about the the eco plot line sure. is it says so much about the government and slash activism. So like the plot of the FBI, the FBI plot is like we're going to send David in to infiltrate an activist group, yeah. an environmental activist group using um, because these pipeline companies give us information and we want to help them do whatever. And we think these environmental activists are doing a bad thing. Yeah. We are good guys. They're the bad guys. Yeah. And it's also trying and to frame them for larger acts yes, of quote unquote terrorism. That, the, that's the real thing is, is like when you see them at first, the first group you see is like fucking old people, yeah. old hippies being like, let's complain about the pipes on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And even, even when it gets more serious where David is the, one pushing for let's push for the violent stuff yeah. let's push for the awful stuff the stuff that i'm trying to get you to do so i can arrest you yeah um number one that's so fucked up and like says so much about david's character and like you know how law works mm -hmm. um but also the the actual plot of like what they're gonna do is blow up a bridge yeah he wants to blow up a bridge to set him back two weeks yeah and that is that is the most an activist group can do to disrupt the system and the oil. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the oil pipeline. And he's like, well, even then anything's worth it. And it's like, do you no one hears no one hears you talking. You want to do something incredibly violent, get a bunch of people incriminated for a system that you can't possibly win against. Yeah. And like politically that said so much to me. I think that really worked. No, absolutely. And because it's a topic that I've never seen really covered before, whether that's in a yeah. games don't talk about this ever. Um, but even even in films, I, I, I never heard this kind of FBI infiltration, um, eco activism. Like there's so many topics here that I've never seen covered. And it really made it fascinating me for for me to learn about, because especially at first, when you're just like stumbling on a couple clips, you're like, who is he? What's his role in this? he's doing debriefs and there's this guy named Mike. And then you learn about like the conflict that he has with Mike. And then, he, but uh, as a plot line, I did find it really interesting politically because that topic is not covered. But for me, it was, it was most interesting because of the way that it um, complicated Ava and his relationship. Um, yep. And in, in him, like, doing like little vlogs from bed with her of like, make sure that you're, uh, you know, going out there and doing your activism and whatever. And then like, they'll like nuzzle and he'll kiss, he'll kiss her on the cheek, whatever. It just feels so, Oh my God. It's so yeah. like scummy. It's like, this is the, but he, yeah. he sells it. He sells it so well. And he's, he's just like, you know, I'm just like a, a hippie guy that wants to do right, but I've got this like bad streak. But then, you know, there's like seven extra layers to that. And it's like, it's so you know, complicated. It's just a fucking dirty liar. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, this says so much cause it's like, 
it's so easy to play an interesting character everybody likes. Yeah. It says something completely different to be the main character nobody likes. Yeah. Like, as, as a player, the more you learn about him, the more you're like, dude, this guy is shady. Yeah. yeah. And, like, even, and admittedly, by the end, he tries to make up for it. Mm-hmm. And he tries to, like, atone for sins. But even then, it's still so heavily rooted in his own arrogance and selfishness. Yeah. And it's like, man. But the performance, the performance sells it. Yeah. He's able to be like, yes, I can be an incredible actor and fucking lie to everybody, make everybody hate me, but make everybody love me at the same time. Totally works. Yeah, absolutely. And that the variety there, um, like I mentioned with the amazing performances uh, in, in Stanley Parable and Life is Strange and Immortality is variety, I think, is key and getting so many sides of a character because that's what endears to you to them as a person. You understand their strengths, their weaknesses, their fears, their hopes. <laughs> like that, That is really important to me and I think that even though David is a terrible person and I'm, for the most part he deserves what happened to him and yeah, these women should push him out of their lives and blackmail him because he's blackmailing yeah. them and lying to them. He also, you see his moments of being a caring father and being a yeah. really damn good listener and sitting there like with, with a, like nodding while when someone's telling him a story or like consoling someone. He has these streaks of being a good caring person and genuinely supporting Ava and having this internal conflict. He feels like a bad person, but a real person, a layered person, a complex yeah. person with a history. He's got this traumatic past where he, I don't even know if you learned about this, that he killed Emma's old boyfriend and they watched I, him bleed yeah, out together. And like part. that, that was one of the last things I learned about. I'm like, whoa, that really reframes what I think about him as a person yeah. and what he's capable of and what his regrets are and his <laughs> dynamic with Emma. Like there really is so much there that Logan Marshall Green, Godspeed. What a, what a great performance. And, the way that he plays off of women with such different personalities, I think is also a big strength of this game of it's so interesting to have a core character and three other characters that are equally as fleshed out, equally as amazing performances, but that never really cross over. They never talk to one another. Every clip is, is David with someone else. It's with his wife. It's with his lover. It's with uh, the, therapist quote-unquote his boss and i love how it all funnels back down to him because even though it's fractured it makes it feel focused in a really interesting way yeah um and it goes into the i'll I'll ask real quick about the maxine stuff what stuck with you about maxine because this is the part i saw the least so i don't know a lot about um maxine is actually she was the one that i really first dug into because i felt that I, i found the idea of of portraying like sex work like this in a game to be really fascinating. Obviously, it's not a talk that's very yeah. widely covered. Um, but learning about her through the way that she reacts and acts to David being more honest with her than anyone else is really fascinating. And watching her learn that he's not a good person. And he's not just like yeah. a kind of down-on-his-luck cop guy. He's got this bad streak to him and he wants to do bad things and... Uh, and eventually he tries to blackmail her or take advantage of her. Um, I found her to be a really compelling character because she is the one, I think, on a, an acting layer level that's most similar to David in that she is yeah. putting on multiple personas. She's not actually French. She she's not actually, doesn't have this history. She's selling them. She's telling these stories about her past that are 
presumably not real. Um, and watching those layers come undone as she gets fed up with the way David is treating her and recognizes her strength as a woman in this position. And uh, I think those are all really, really remarkable. And she also has some of the best like environmental storytelling of having the tattoo on her chest and having this background that changes slightly. It's, it's almost always the same, but it changes slightly between um, the state of mind that she's in and the time of year and stuff like that. And, um, and then once you watch the end or nearing the end of her story and you realize this is just a set in like basically a garage and, um, and she's got this whole history. I, I thought she was one of my, one of my favorite characters, but also they're all my, they're kind of all my favorite characters. <laughs> but it's an interesting setup of like, she's all, she's wearing the mask to David yep. who's trying to bear it all. Yep. And it, and that dynamic is a switch and a reversal. That's in an interesting way. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess, what, what else was I going to say? Oh, the other thing I was going to ask you is, is what makes you prefer the other titles over this for this, for the Sam Barlow stuff? Um, the fluidity of gameplay in, which is, I know a kind of a ridiculous statement to talk about when you're no, talking about like, totally typing did. in and like watching videos, but there's a lot better sense of forward progression in both immortality and her story because you're always able to easily move on to the next clip yeah uh, manipulate them in the way that you want tag things and, and store them in very easy ways sort them in very easy ways there's no uh, in, in her story you have like a little checkboard of these are the clips that you've watched in this order so you can use that to sort of fill in gaps um in immortality it's portrayed in this like film stock style that that fills in as you go there's nothing like that in Telling Lies, which means that I have no idea where, like, the final clips that I need to look for are. I need to use a guide. Yeah. There's no, like, in-universe way to sort of piece things together as you're going. And the... You don't really know how far you are or where, you know... No, not Even, like, near the end, I was like, what do I have to watch? Because I remember her story. I was like, what do I have to watch to be done? Yeah. To, like, know and I have no what's idea. going on. I have no idea where the yeah. line is. Um, yeah. And and that, that combined with the UI of sitting there and scrubbing backwards and just sitting there for like a minute and a half like that's it kills the pacing uh and not being able to like not full screen it and not being able to like scrub through the video it's a lot of choices that i think are easily rectified i mean yeah. structurally this game is not particularly complex and these things are elements of watching videos you in the modern yeah, day you that, can redo this yeah yeah that, that could have been fixed and because even though I, I think the story is better than her story and the the amount of characters and variety of locations and themes is is almost on par with Immortality, which is still my favorite. Um, but it, it has issues that the other two games just don't have, which makes me wonder, like, these were probably deliberate choices. Like, he could have added a, a scrub bar at the bottom or a jump to the beginning of the video button, uh, but he didn't. And yeah, and to I me, was, it just I takes away from it. When I was rewinding, I was thinking her story had a fucking scrub bar. Mm -hmm. I thought that. I was like, her story allowed me to restart the clip immediately. So so part of me either thinks, A, if it's a 10-minute clip, he doesn't want you to rewind to to second one. Yeah. It's supposed to be a little bit of a punishment to do that. And also allows you to get a glimpse in a separate context of a word said or a look made yeah. that's not through normal progression of video. Mm -hmm. Like looking back at the rewind gives you a different perspective. Sure. So in those ways, Oh, by I the way, that's a, that's a key it. gameplay element of immortality. And I think you'll like that even more how it's utilized oh. there. Oh, la la. Now, the, oh, you've just, you just, 
okay, now I'm excited for immortality. But like, I think in those ways, perhaps yeah. that was an intentional design decision. Yeah. But even then, it's not. I don't, I don't think the pros outweigh the cons there. It's like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But also like, if I could have finished this game in one less hour because an hour of that was yeah. me sitting on my dumb butt and holding my finger down to rewind, I would, I would I trade for that I, in a heartbeat. I don't think I emotionally gained a lot from that design decision. Yep, yep. Let's just say. Um, any other thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple notes that I wrote down um, that we haven't Do really it. touched on Bring. yet. Uh, let me find these. Oh, um, I like that this, this game has a score. There's a piano score that plays relatively consistently across the course the entire game, um, which is something that her story only used in like key moments. When you discovered yeah. something, it would play like a, a piano score that would fade in and out as you're watching that specific clip. But the yeah. I think it makes it feel a little more cohesive here when music is just always persistent, whether you're scrubbing, whether you're pausing, whether you're on the desktop. I really did like that. Um and, and it, music also plays a lot into Ava's character. True. Ava wants to be a singer, and she sings songs to David multiple times. Yeah. So like, and or 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 Alba sings "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." Yeah. And that is meant to emotionally affect David. So like, in a lot of ways, sound design is much more focused in her story. Her story, there's like one moment where like she plays a guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And like that is like the one time you're like, okay, yeah, all right. Well, yeah. Um, and actually, another element that you might that I'm not sure if you picked up on, but is the importance of fairy tales uh, in St. Barlow's yeah. games. In uh, her story, yep. it was Rapunzel. There was yeah. a lot of re references to her that. Her story and... wasn't subtle about it. No. Because they, they repeated a lot where it's like, oh, we lived in a dollhouse. I loved the fairy tales. Yeah. It was very obvious in this one. And I was going to say, my progression at the start of the game, I went from the original tag love, I immediately went to Snow White because mm. Maxine said Snow White. Yeah. However, even though Maxine says Snow White, what it gives you is Ava stuff because Ava and all of the eco activists are named after Snow White characters. Yep, yep, they are. So, so, so I, that's how I got onto that route immediately. Yeah, and that's another element I think that Sam Barlow does better than any writer I can think of is tying keywords, especially because obviously his games are focused around keywords, tying mm. keywords two multiple storylines in ways that aren't the same is when you're searching um like the term jane that is a the name uh a, could have been the name of ava and david's baby but it's also the exactly. name of the boat that he named it after it's also the name of of um the band that uh, that uh, ava was in when she was a child it's like okay this is tied in multiple ways and you're right about the snow yep. white stuff that's connected to multiple things but also um the the reading out of multiple um fairy tale stories of Rumpelstiltskin comes back yep. in multiple ways of of um it reflects the story yeah, it does in, in that he's 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 lying he's there's also like searching for names of like uh, trying to figure out which one of his names is real like on a meta level that's also his his story about um having multiple last names i really found that to be fascinating because uh, it's also present in her story of like i remember sitting there and like oh rapunzel and oh the legend of rapunzel is kind of uh, paralleling the story that's being told here, and that's obviously yep. 100% carried over here. I thought that was fascinating. Yep. I mean, uh, and also yep. something that can only be understood if you've played multiple of his games. Like, this is a theme that he focuses on. Yeah, this on. is a thing he does. It was like these... Because her story also plays with the idea of narrative, where you're not necessarily sure. I'm pretty sure the last lines of... Uh, last lines of her story, like, chronology... Chrono chronologically yes i'm fucking dying here it's already been too long for me i'm ready no i'm just kidding 
um the last lines were like that's all i've been saying to you is stories so it sprinkles a seed of doubt yeah. into how much of what she said has been real at all mm -hmm. right yeah and that feeds so much into the full themes of telling lies the entire david character you're you're meant to get glimpses of when the mask slips who David is as a person mm -hmm. and then like where the times where he's vulnerable and you see the vulnerability and um, also an analysis way was, did you ever play Silent Hill Shattered Memories? No, I'm not. I know you worked on that one though. Is, uh, you said you didn't play Silent Hill earlier. So I was just saying that for a formality to introduce this concept. Sam Barlow did work on it. He didn't necessarily do the non-linear approach, but even from that game it became very obvious how player focused he is in experience um it's a it's a running silent hill thing it wasn't just shattered memories 2 does this as well where how you experience the game leans towards the storytelling so for instance i think shattered memories is sometimes obvious about it you would take psychology tests of like your opinions on things hmm. and then your opinions on things would reflect in gameplay but also much more similar to your experiences in these games is if you look at a certain thing or fixate on a certain thing it starts to reflect onto the character for instance harry mason and shattered memories if you start to look at um, I guess there's no way to say, but women, if you look at women in general or posters of women, or if you look in phone books and like, look at what, like specific advertisements, it starts to reflect onto Harry as, and the player ultimately as a lecherous, lustful character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sam Barlow is always focused on the, on the game reflecting the player experience yeah. and having that reflect the player himself. So they were all, it, to me, that like really works really well. Yeah, yeah, and the element of this game that I think ties in that to like the realism of being a person at a computer playing this game to the the world of of the actual game is that you are playing as an unnamed woman looking at these clips, and of course that was true in her story, but it wasn't a it wasn't that present of element of the game it came up a couple times it was a big big thing near the end but um telling lies you constantly have the reflection of someone else's face in the monitor and that makes it a feel like an actual monitor because they have reflections and sometimes you can see your own your own face reflected in it but also that you're voyeuristic to through voyeurism of someone else's eyes and that's like that's really interesting and the way that there's external sounds of someone putting down a cup in the room behind her or um, her like knocking something over on the table and seeing her shift in her chair and the light flicker behind her. Like there are elements of realism to that, that weren't, that aren't touched on in the other games. And I found that really fascinating, especially when the game breaks your immersion at key moments throughout the game. I think depending yeah. on how many clips you've watched where the um, focus will shift instead from the, uh, the actual interface of the screen to her reality of, her yeah. talking to some boyfriend's like, hey, are you gonna go to bed soon? It's four a.m. You should go to bed. Yeah, and she's like, no, I gotta do something. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. the uh, the part like in the middle of the game where her cat runs across the keyboard and it types in a little thing, and you get an achievement <laughs> yeah. if you press enter um, from uh, her her cat typing in something. Like these That's are amazing. things I've never experienced in a video game before, which is again tying back to what I said at the beginning of. I'm always looking for a game to teach me something else of what games can possibly do and i've never played a game where someone is playing a game uh it, yeah. in the way of it that it pauses the game to like 
tell you a little bit about this woman. I think that in a context way, it's fascinating and really adds a lot to like the immersion of what this game is. But also that's like the weakest part of the story of like, who's this woman? Her ending, she just like walks out. There's like FBI people knocking on the door. Do you not know who she is at all? No. uh, Did I not piece that together? (laughs) They give a little bit. They don't give a lot. I saw her name is Karen. Oh, she's Karen. Oh, and she shows yeah, up. Yeah, she's Karen. Yeah, she's Karen. Yeah, she shows up and like disrupts the party. She shows up one. Like... She shows up like one time, two times, like top. Yeah. Oh, and... okay. I didn't realize it was her. Um, yes. Okay. Even then, it's not a lot. It's not like you have a lot to go off of. Yeah. It's like I don't. I don't. And I don't, you don't, I don't know really her care motivations. about her. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. You don't. It. It's much more like of a seed of like, oh, you understand her role and how she has access to these videos yeah. and you know, but you still don't have a why you don't have any sort of understanding like that. So it leads a lot to player interpretation in that way. Um, to go back to what you were talking about earlier with the valid supporting cast regarding the ending, the mid credit scene of the ending reflects the, the supporting character you saw the most. Oh really? And I, yeah. Um, it'll, I got it'll show like, well, yeah, yeah, you would have gotten Maxine as like a like, oh, I'm a realtor or yep, whatever yep. now, or or like um, you 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 could see Star grown up, really, okay. for instance, yeah, it's shit like that, and it, you know, it's cool. Um, I think it it at the very least those characters deserve to pay off that yeah. the nonlinear approach didn't have. True. Yeah. Um, where it's like you those are unresolved ends that David is clearly resolved. Spoiler alert: David blows himself up. Yeah, he does. Um. But that being said, like I think the endings work, even even like the smoking on a, on the building. I think it worked better than her story at least. Her story's ending made sense, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, I guess it's done. It's all wrapped up. Yeah. All right, I'm yeah. gonna exit out. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I, I did like. I, I'll have to go watch the um, other endings for those other characters because the only one I got was Maxine. Um, but I think I just didn't find the Karen thing particularly satisfying. Because there yeah, wasn't that no, extra fair. layer of motivation, uh, which, unlike her story, did have that reveal of motivation and recontextualize why you were watching these things. I always assumed I was watching someone who had access to these things and whatever, and that was true, yeah. and my assumptions it, it were correct. It doesn't change anything. Yeah, yeah, but her story, you are playing as uh, the daughter of, of the main actress, and yes, that's like, oh, she's so. learning about her mother's past, and that like yeah. adds a layer of storytelling to it that maybe I just need to... like look up more theories or like uh listen to an interview with sam barlow to like know what the intention of this is because i think i i bet it's there he's an intentional enough but writer even, but even then like there's a much more significant emotional impact where it's like do you understand why she did it yeah, in her yeah. story where it's like oh do you understand why your mother did these things and i clicked no because i still don't i get it but i don't think i know why she did it mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense in like that fundamental way? Whereas here, those sort of emotional, intense questions aren't asked. And no. yeah, Karen's Karen's not a nothing character, but she's pretty darn close to it. I agree. I would yes, say. absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, uh, well, did you have any more notes before we wrap up? No, that was the last thing, actually. All right. Well, then uh, I think uh, I think this was a pretty good one. Do you have any plugs to mention? Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably also like the sort of philosophical conversations I have about games <laughs> with my friend Abram over on Backlog Banter. So um, we have just restarted with the split. As I said, we split our channel. Um, the original one is There's BLB been Archives. There's a reboot. Yes, BLB Reboot. BLB Origins, Wolverine. Um, so we only have 34 subscribers at the moment, down from like uh, almost 1,200. So I'd like to build Dang. it up again. 
Um, and if you want to have these kind of conversations about experiences with games and that sort of stuff, uh, Bro is very active in my Discord community, uh, and you can join us for this kind of. I'd love to have. If you want to argue video games, I'll be there. I'll argue. You are, a Godspeed. I, I respect that. There you go. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a battle. Yes. Ba, ba, ba. Uh, I would recommend it. I love their channel. It's good stuff. Um, and, uh, oh, oh yeah. I should plug stuff. Perfect. Uh, I, I am on the daydream cast. We have a YouTube channel. I would recommend the YouTube Wait, you channel. Are, you I'm are trying to push cast? it. What the heck? What? What a surprise. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, I'm trying to push less of the RSS feed. I'm like YouTube. We need to do this YouTube thing. That's where all the kids are at. Yeah. That's what, that's what we got to do. Um, so I would highly recommend anyone sub to it. Um, and otherwise, uh, check out the twin geeks for any uh film analysis or the backlog ban or backlot banter um where people i think you all just did an oscar special didn't you yeah we just reviewed all of the best picture nominees uh and then we talked about our predictions uh and then once everything how were those one what sorry how were the predictions oh uh actually i got i got I got 17 out of 23 which is which is pretty damn good um but there's a couple of them that i was I was uh, predicting as like buffers, so like even if I got them, even if the, the person I didn't want to win won, I would still get the prediction right. So I was like bouncing out. I could have gotten nineteen if I'd gone with my gut, but um, you you should have just went for the everyone should have went for the everything all at once sweep. Everyone should have done yep. it, but yeah, little well, did we. Yeah, know. if you want, if you like movies, if you like in depth. We we go like two fucking hours on Avatar: The Way of Water and Tar and shit like that. So like, if you want to go listen to people really talk about movies. I got boy how to do I have a channel for you. Uh yeah, and obviously the Twin Geeks cast as well and all of that stuff. All right, or Stacks or everything else. Murph also has a podcast called I'm th- not I'm thinking of uh this podcast is a bad idea where he covers internet memory, ridiculous hmm. lore, ridiculous shit, uh super fun. I don't think the new episode's out yet, but the last episode he did was Kingdom Hearts lore where he explained it to a person completely new. Cool. Super fun. Um Hold it, bro, from the past. This is bro in editing here. Even with a different mic, hopefully this isn't too bad. Um, Just to say that I will be at PAX East from the 23rd to the 26th. So um, if you are in the Boston area, uh, message me and uh, say hi. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody. I'm excited. Anyways, I think that's it. I think we're playing out. Thank you so much, Tucker. Thank you very much for having me. I think this went well. I think this went well. This was good.